This is the Millennial Millionaire Through Real Estate Podcast. You have money, time, or experience. So you have to utilize those. You know, somebody with a lot of money can invest. You have time. Well, that can be useful to somebody with a lot of experience. You have experience, then you can find the projects, but you don't typically have a lot of time. You're listening to the Millennial Millionaire Through Real Estate Podcast, where we discuss tangible tips, tricks, and best practices for becoming financially free. The show is designed for people who want to either start real estate investing or for those who want to scale their real estate business. What's going on, everyone? This is Jonathan Farber, your host of the Millennial Millionaire Through Real Estate Podcast. I hope you're all well and healthy. For any first-time listeners, thanks for being here. The goal of this show is to explore ways to become financially free through real estate or to increase passive cash flow through real estate. A little background on myself, I work in corporate America at a software company and my side hustle is real estate. I currently own eight rental units and looking to add more this spring. I have house hacked, bird, flipped, and done short-term rentals to name a few strategies. My current focus is 20 to 30 unit apartment buildings in Ohio and Kentucky. I love to network and learn. So if you'd like to connect further, feel free to find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, or BiggerPockets. All right, guys, before we get to today's show, let's get to today's show sponsor. I'd held off doing this for quite some time, but uh, as you guys could probably imagine, there are some people that I've been recommending. There are some people that I've gotten to know better through doing this show. And I wouldn't partner with someone for a show sponsor that I didn't believe in them as a person and believe in them as a product. And having the chance to get to know Antoine the last couple months and seeing the projects he's doing and was recommending a lot of people to Martel Turnkey figured, why not turn it into a partnership? So he will be partnering with the podcast for the next, let's say, 90 days or so. All right, everyone. After building my own portfolio, speaking with over 100 investors on this podcast and many more from the Facebook group, I've noticed a few common themes of why people don't get started or remain successful in real estate. They don't have the right team. They aren't sure of their market or they don't know where to find deals. The people at Martel Turnkey are fixing this. That's why they offer fully turnkey properties in markets where the numbers actually make sense. What does this mean? It means they buy properties at a discount, fix them up, put a tenant in place, and oh yeah, give you options for property management or financing. They have people on the ground in cities where you can still cash flow and see appreciation every single month. I'll say it as simply as this. When you have the right team and systems in place, there's no reason not to get started. If you like a property or have any questions, you can schedule a phone call by clicking on the link below or going on their website and clicking on the contact tab to set up a call. There is no hard sell, push, or commitment needed. The call will be there to answer any questions you have or to see if or how their products might be a good fit for you and what you're looking for. So visit martelturnkey.com and click contact or send an email to info at martelturnkey.com today. What's up, guys? Awesome episode today. We have two people on from Omaha, Nebraska. We have Colin Schwartz and Chris Palmerlew. And it's just an awesome episode. The two of them bring tons of energy. We haven't had two people from two different spots before on the show, and uh, they really rocked it. So it was fun having them on. We got a lot of different perspectives, a little bit of background on Chris and Colin, ind Colin individually. Chris got started in 2013, bought his first single family home, became a lawyer actually following that. Met Colin in 2017. They were looking at a lot of units. They had a lot of overlap and uh, basically just needed to figure out a way to make this happen. So they got connected and uh, both wanted to leave their jobs. A little background on uh, Colin is he was working in a cubicle job similar to Chris, but just not a lawyer and had a big growth mindset, bought a threeplex, 
started a management company, was kind of grassrooting it, figuring out what he wanted in the business and realized that he needed to go to multifamily in order to accomplish his goals. So a little bit more about, about them and what they do. Collectively, their company is called Park Avenue Capital. They've acquired over 700 units. They're closing on a couple more deals this uh, winter, which they're excited about. And they mentioned on the show and go into a little bit of the financials and what the deals look like. So uh, we're talking about someone that two people that have scaled very quickly. And it's interesting. I always find these episodes interesting of how people have gotten to such a high unit count and what it actually means to them. Does it align with the goals they had originally and uh, the goals that they still have now? So it's uh, it's a fun one, guys. So I guess just going into the main learnings of the episode, um, this has become more and more of a theme. You need to be around the right people. You need to be around a coach, a mentor, a mastermind. You can pay, you can do it for free. You can figure out a way to get around these people. But I, I use the analogy a lot when you're playing at varsity speed, going back to JV feels very easy. And this could be any aspect of life, but when you're doing something and seeing how the best do it, going back down to what feels like a slower pace feels much easier. So getting around the right people was the push that both of them needed to kind of change their whole trajectory and start doing bigger deals and making money and helping people the way that they wanted to do it. So that was the main learning. Today's tangible tip is dig into what type of learning is best for you. You hear a lot of people talk about you need to read books. And then you hear a couple of people say they barely know how to read, but they learn the most when they're talking to people or they learn the most when they're doing things or they learn the most from video content or podcasts, whatever. Don't try to force what you're not good at as far as learning into your life. So if you don't like reading, you can absorb it on YouTube. If you don't like YouTube or you don't like video and you can read really fast, read books. If you feel like you only learn when you get to ask people questions, set up as many calls as you need to ask all the situational questions or find a coach. But don't feel obligated to learn a way that someone else said you have to because there are tons of ways to do it and it's all specific to you. So for me, just a perfect example, I used to read a ton and I felt like I could absorb a little bit better than I, than I do now. I still read from time to time, but I've incorporated a lot more YouTube and a lot more conversations into my learning workflow. Once I read, I feel like probably two to 300 business books in my first couple of years trying to figure out how to make this work. So I realize now I want to learn a little bit of a different way. And my mind is kind of shifted to visual learning and video learning and talking to people, but it might be different for you. It's different for everyone. So I highly recommend you take some time and think about that because learning is key, but taking the information and consuming it in the way that best works for you is also key. So anyway, great episode today. First two person episode we've had really excited about. It. I think you guys are going to get a lot of value from Chris Pomerleau and Colin Schwartz. Colin and Chris, what is going on guys? Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being here. How are you guys doing this afternoon? Awesome. Thanks for having us. Good deal. Yeah, great. Doing great. Good deal. I don't know if we've had any uh, two-person two interviews in different places. So I'm curious how this is going to go. I'm excited for it. You know, the world is Zoom and 2020 just uh, overcome things, try new things. But I'm excited to have you guys on. We were just talking before. I don't know if we've had anyone. Uh, well, I know we haven't had anyone from Omaha on the show or Nebraska, but what you guys are doing is really cool. Part of a couple of groups that we were just talking about before we hit record. So excited to dig into your background, your story what you guys are doing today, where you're headed. But before we do all that, you mind just giving us a quick background from a high level of how you got into real estate and then bring us up to speed on what you do today. Chris, kick us off. Fair enough. Um, so I was born and raised in the Omaha area. Actually, Council Bluffs, Iowa is where that is. And um, it's a suburb of Omaha, Nebraska. 
I went to school here, went to undergrad in South Dakota, and then I was in law school in Omaha. I was in the military for a couple of years, and then I've lived here since 2013, right back in Omaha. So basically my entire life, except for college and and Hawaii for a couple of years with the the Army, I've been in Omaha. Um, You know, as an attorney, I've been practicing since 2013. Uh, I hit it hard. I mean, I, I, I... attorney's no joke and student loans are no joke. And, um, you know, I, I, I worked my tush off, if you will, but I quickly realized that, you know, I, I needed something to supplement that because I was only getting paid as I worked. So 2013 is when I decided to buy my first single family home. Um, did a couple of single family homes over the next four years, and I wasn't really getting a lot from that. I spent a lot of time learning how to lay flooring and change toilets, but I certainly wasn't making very much money and uh, it wasn't supplementing my income. And so in 2017 is when I met Colin and we formed uh, Park Ave Capital and we can get maybe more into those details in the future if you want, but we ended up starting that, that company and now we're well, uh, well, you know, pretty, pretty far along three years later, we have just over 700 units looking at about a thousand by years end, about 46 million, 60 million under, I mean, 60 million assets under management, probably by January, knock on wood, but 46 million right now. And just kind of dedicated the majority of our time to, to multifamily. And I'll let Colin kind of talk about him as well. Yeah. So um, similar, I, I've been living in Nebraska or Omaha since 2007, went and got my MBA, started working a bunch of different jobs, found myself in a cubicle nine to five, doing an IT job, read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and kind of kicked me in the, you know what, and said, okay, something's got to be a little bit different. Um, I don't want to be 65, 67, 70 years old and trying to get to retirement. I I don't want to work for somebody else. I've just never had that mindset. I've gotten frustrated with certain, you know, processes, always think that they could be better. Um, so yeah, I started getting into real estate, you know, bought a threeplex, me and Chris quickly connected, um, realized that we had kind of the same moral background, the same goals. Um, and that really helped us scale quickly. In the, in the meantime, I started a management company because I saw a gap of efficiencies there. And I realized that if I wanted to get out of my W-2 as fast as possible, I was going to start a property management company. I was going to take a little slice of that, but more than anything, I was going to improve the property's performance and be able to refinance and roll at, at a much quicker clip. So yeah, that, that's kind of a, you know, 67 high, 60 second high level background of myself. Okay. Awesome. I know you're a Jake and Gino guy when you're, when you're hitting refinance and roll, man. So uh, we'll get into all that as far as relationships and masterminds and networking in a sec, but I just want to go back to a couple of questions you guys touched on from the beginning, how you got started and all that. Uh, the first thing that I want to talk about is what I've heard some people talk about. I think of it kind of the same way as kind of the single family home or one to four unit. I'd say cash flow fallacy that there's a lot of spreadsheet math that pencils out to a couple hundred bucks a month in cash flow. But oftentimes when investors get in the game, they realize one or two CapEx uh, repairs or expenses that weren't really accounted for. And a couple of years of profits is kind of washed. So uh, I've had a similar experience and it's part of the reason that I'm looking to scale as well. But I'm curious, was that part of the reason or did either of you guys have a point where it became very clear you were not going to get to your goals on a one to four unit pace that you're on of putting 20% down and doing it that way and then realizing you needed to get into the bigger deals in order to do what you wanted to do and live the life you wanted? 
everything you just said is accurate. I mean, there's, I mean, this single family stuff, first off, I always have to backtrack for a second. Maybe I'm too empathetic, but I'm not trying to walk on other people's dreams or there, there are certainly plenty of people who have made money from single families or wholesaling or, but when it comes to math and just making as much money and supplementing passive income and the ability to scale and mitigate your risks, I don't know if there's anything better than multifamily. And so four years and four single family homes later between 2013 and 2017, I'm like, if one air conditioning goes out, I'm, I'm losing a whole year's of cash. Like, how is this worth it? Plus the amount of time I'm doing, I'm managing it myself. Uh, I'm turning the wrench, I'm swinging the hammer. It doesn't make any sense. So uh, it, it, I, I say these things because it's so, it's so obvious. So I don't mean to, to dummy it down, but I mean, if you have one single family home and it's vacant for even four months, because you have to turn it and get it ready again, that's 0% occupied. If you have 10 of 100 units that's vacant, that's 90% occupied. And so that scaling ability just helps you just continuously get income and mitigate the losses you would have. If an air conditioning goes out, if five air conditioning goes out in your 100 unit, you have the other 90 to 95 units that are paying for that air conditioning. So I say it so matter-of-factly, but yes, to everything you said, it only makes sense to do that in my, in my opinion. I'm not saying anybody's making a bad decision. I'm saying Colin and I quickly learned that if you want to make money and scale and, and, and really make it make sense in, a, in the safest way possible, it's multifamily. Okay. Yeah, so Chris and I both started with multifamily or uh, single families or small multifamilies. And, and I think that the goal that, yeah, yeah there's two mindsets. There's one, I'm going to buy a single family. I'm going to pay it off in 15 years. I'm going to buy a couple of them. It's going to be a great retirement. Once I'm there, perfect. I'm going to continue working my W-2. There's the other mindset, which is more, more familiar with Chris and I. It's like, okay, we may buy this single family, this duplex, which there's nothing wrong with, but we're seeing that there's value add. We're going to pull the capital out and we're going to reinvest that. And we're going to just keep rolling that money. And we're going to try to get larger and larger and larger, or at least create more income off of that. So there, there's two different ways of looking at it. There's nothing wrong with single family. There's nothing wrong with small multifamilies. You know, we've both done it. It's, it's been a good stepping stone, but it depends on what you want to do with that. Are you looking to add value or are you looking to create yourself a retirement plan? To yep. me, there, to me, there's no question. To me, the most important thing is cash flow. And if a single family home brings on a good day, $200 a month, and let's say for some reason it's occupied for the rest of the time you own it for 20 years or 40 years, uh, and uh, nothing ever breaks ever, you make $200 a month. Like, how I don't <laughs> understand how that's something to get excited about. Even if you have 10 of them, which that scenario I just gave doesn't make any sense. And it's obviously hyperbole to, to prove my point. You can make $2,000 cash flow by owning a 20 unit apartment. So uh, that's just one purchase. So it just makes sense. Okay. So we're going to come back to the beginner investor who wants to get started in multifamily because hearing that, I don't want anyone listening to get discouraged that if they've been on this single family route, it's the wrong route. But I do think it is worth digging into the reasoning behind it, if it's aligned with your goals, and then what is the best path to do that. But before we do, I want to talk a little bit about you guys coming together and start doing business together, because another route that I see a lot of people start taking when they're considering getting started is to partner up. And what I see also a lot of times is they just partner up with a friend. 
who's also a beginner and also may have a very similar skill set. And I think we all know how that story usually ends. Not all that well. It's kind of blind leading the blind and they have a matching skill set that doesn't necessarily fill in gaps that are required in a business. So for you guys, I'd love to hear how you guys met and decided to work together in a business and felt like you'd be a good partnership. And then from there, I'd love you to talk about little the roles and responsibilities, who does what and how it's kind of gone since it started. Go for it, Colin. Yeah. So, so Chris and I, I mean, quickly, quickly found that we were showing up at these same properties, bidding up against each other, bidding against the same properties. Um, we actually met at a property that I had purchased. It's kind of a different story. It was a good story. I got the property. Um, but uh, we were bidding up against all these properties against each other. So we started getting on the phone. We went out to coffee together and we were just kind of relentless. Like it was the same thing. Like we'd shoot each other messages back and forth. We're like, have you looked at this? 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 And we quickly realized that each, each of us had different, but, but very useful skills. And I think I said it at the beginning um, that our moral compass and our goals were aligned. And, and I think when finding a partner, that's incredibly important. I, so Chris and I have multiple partners in, in other areas. So I maybe have, you know, 10 other partners. Chris is my main business partner. Um, the thing that allows us to move fastest is the fact that we have thrown this dart, you know, we've thrown this football way out there. We have our goal way out there. And so we are just constantly sprinting to it. Um, but we're also trustworthy. We trust each other. We trust each other's judgment, but we can also have um, conversations in which that allow criticism, you know, that, because partnerships are not, uh, you, you have to have real conversations. Just like, why are you doing this? Why is this? There has to be a little bit of back and forth there. Um, so, so I really think that that is what has helped us. You can't mince words with a partner. Um, you have to be respectful, but you also, I mean, this is important. I mean, we are buying properties on 20 year notes. This is for our family. We need to understand what this person is going to be thinking in 20 years. And there's no way you can predict that. However, you can do your due diligence in the initial onset of understanding the individual's goals and how much that person wants to work. And oftentimes you can't tell some tell how hard somebody works from the first conversation. There's a lot of people that are motivated. There's a lot of people that talk a lot. So you just have to work through that. You have to see, you know, it, it, the proof is in the pudding. Um, Chris is an attorney. He played, you know, he played arena football. He was in the military. You know, he has a doctorate. I've got my MBA. I was working 70 hours a week, you know, and, and, and you just kind of piece these things together and you see, okay, so you fit this base. Now let's have these next conversations of what it's going to look like, because you, you, there's going to be points where you're going to try to split the baby and you're going to say, well, I worked more on this and I, you worked less on that. So how do we split that up? We've had those conversations. We've had those conversations of like, okay, well, I found the deal. You maybe brought some of the money with this. So maybe it's a 70, 30. The, the ideal is where we've gotten to. Now we're just like, we're 50, 50, you know? So he can focus on his strengths. I can focus on my strengths because before we were just stepping on each other's toes. I mean, up until a year and a half ago, we were still looking at same deals. I mean, we were, you know, even though we were partners, we were still aggressively looking because that's just kind of the, the mentality that we have. So sure. Yep. Yeah. Makes total sense. So you mentioned something there that uh, I, I don't know if single family investors would typically think about from the sense of having multiple partners. 
I think a lot of beginner investors kind of think <laughs> it's just, I mean, it's, it's, I thought this same exact way when I was first getting started is you have a partner and then you do every deal together. And if you don't, you're almost backstabbing the other person. And now getting into the business more, realizing how wrong that was. So for, for those that are thinking about partnerships a little bit more out there, can you just talk about how it could be possible to be in a scenario where you have been, or you have 10 partners or you're doing different deals with different people? Like, like how does that come together? What does that actually look like from a nuts and bolts perspective? Like what are, what are the, I guess, mechanics of it? I mean, look, we, I gained a lot of my partners kind of before it was Colin alluded to like a year and a half ago, we kind of stopped looking at the same ones from different angles. Um, there's nothing written down that we have to be on the same deals. And it's just now that we're looking at bigger and bigger complexes. And now that we have this business started and we're marketing and we're working with investors from all over the world. Now we have a business to run. So it just so happens we're going to, we're going to do that as far as we're going to approach things nine times out of 10 from our business. But, you know, throughout the first year and a half, two years, um, we're gaining partners all over the place. I mean, it's not like you're just buying an asset. I mean, this is a, this is, it's almost faux pas to bring up the stock market when you're talking about real estate. But when you buy Apple shares, you have like, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of partners. You're all investing in this company. Nothing's stopping you from going out and buying Verizon shares and cheating on your Apple partners. It's not, I mean, it's a, it's a weird example, but that's kind of the same thing. And if there's money to be made, that's fine. Collins purchased things throughout the time we've been partners with other partners. Now we have a much more that we own together, of course, but a lot of these smaller things, or maybe he wants to buy something with just one family member, or maybe I have a refi and roll on a 12 unit with somebody I met three years ago. We're just going to roll our money into the next one. We don't have to be a part of that. It just so happens that as a relationship has built that, um, we, and, and certainly also because of the deals we get into, the much larger deals, four or five, six, seven, eight million, it makes more sense to continue to grow this business that is Park Ave Capital. Does that kind of answer your question? Yeah, totally. I mean, it just, I think the thing that I realized more as real estate uh, became more top of mind for me is how collaborative it is and how um, much more team, how much more of a team sport it is than traditional, let's say W2 jobs or even other parts of business where you can work people into deals. People can bring value in different ways. If it's raising capital or making introductions or finding deals, these are all ways that people can get inserted into deals without feeling like we're 50, 50 partners and who knows who's going to do what. So I just, I want people to understand that there is a lot more to it than just you have 50, I have 50. There's so many different ways to cut it. And I, I didn't really understand that for a long time. So I guess it's just it's just something to think about. Um, transitioning a little bit back to what we talked about before of beginner investors and how to get started in multifamily. Uh, we don't have to go to syndication right now, but maybe multifamily, we could go to syndication. But uh, for, the, for the investor right now that's listening who might be working in W-2 and thinking about how they can maybe leave that W-2 and start doing real estate full-time, We've had people come on the show and talk about their entry and their thought process of many different ways. If it was either investing as a limited partner or hiring a coach or working for someone to become their protege, or maybe a different way, just jumping in and buying their first syndication deal. So for you guys, I'm curious um, how you exactly did it. And if you think the way you did it is a repeatable strategy for a beginner or listener. 
certainly the way I did it. I was four single family homes in a duplex, all with my father. And then when I jumped to a 20 unit, I partnered with a property management company. Uh, two individuals that I still own that 20 unit with, and then a 23 unit or something. And we haven't, and then a five unit, but we haven't purchased anything since, um, you know, because Colin and I really work on this business of ours. But um, that helped me feel comfortable in my jump. I partnered with somebody who had some duplex and four and five unit experience. They didn't have a 20 unit, but they, they did own a property management company. So that partnership made the most sense. I partnered with somebody who had experience. If I was going to jump into larger deals, I'd most likely jump in as an LP, or I would try to just simply partner on a smaller multifamily with somebody with experience because there's always something. I love what you said about there's always something we're bringing, right? I mean, some people might not have any money at all, but they found the deal. So now they can get in. Sure, they won't be 50%, but they brought, they brought a deal that nobody else had. They had something to offer. Somebody might have all the money and not know anything about multifamily. So now they found a way into the deal and their percentage can be gauged upon how much everyone's bringing to the table. So I love what you said there because I, I hate the excuse. I don't know where deals are. Or I don't have any money or there's got to be something you can do. And if you have nothing to offer to anybody at all anywhere, then you have a lot bigger problem. <laughs> Fact. Agreed. <laughs> Dude, that's a great answer. Um, so <laughs> after I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I read a few books um, and I was basically just frustrated to, to hell with my job. So I, I was just incredibly frustrated. I went home, I asked my wife, I was like, I think I read it in Gary Keller's book or Dave Lindahl's Multifamily Millionaire. Uh, find out who the smartest people around you are. So I asked my wife, who do you know that's smart? She's like, well, my cousin Chris dating Palmer. this attorney. Well, it, it, it gets there. It gets there. It takes a while <laughs> to get perfection. It takes a while. So we didn't start off on that. But I, I met my uh, first partner, Stephen, which Chris and I still partner with. He he's a broker for us. D does an excellent job. But he had fifty rental units. Was self managing them. And I'm like, dude, this guy's the holy grail. This guy is just crushing it. Like, please, can I talk to you? Um, so that poor guy, I probably sent him a thousand text messages of like, is this deal good? Is this deal good? How do you analyze this? And somehow he didn't block my number. Um, you know, I never asked him to be my mentor though. So anybody out there, don't ask somebody to be your mentor unless you have like a checkbook in hand. It's, it's just, or, or pick their brain. It, it's just, it, it's just bad tact. Yeah, but people are busy. For the record, you were putting in money on deals with him. So I, I, that, that, that is correct. That is correct. Yeah, no, that is correct. Mm -hmm. I, I had a line of credit against my house. I had my 401k and I'm like, dude, I'm going to burn the ships. We're going to spend it. Um, started posting on bigger pockets and a real estate agent brought me a deal. And that's kind of what kicked it off. I was like, Steven, I have no idea what to do with this. I don't know if this is good or not. Is this good? Walks me through it. He's like, yeah, this looks good. We'll get the numbers to this. Um, and you're going to manage it. I was like, no, I want passive income. He's like, you should probably manage it to get the experience. Honestly, one of the best things that he could have done is an adventure uh, met, met all the um, college students' parents as they hadn't paid rent in two months and had to explain what an eviction was. Um, but it was a fun process. We got more than all of our money back from that property and quickly started doing more. And uh, yeah, now, now he partners uh, with Chris and I, um, both as a LP and just as a JV partner and other deals. So, yep. Awesome. So two different routes, but for those listening, I'd say one common theme from doing Actually, today's the hundredth episode of this podcast. So you guys nice. are actually coming. Up. So, but a theme from almost every episode for, for those that have stuck with this podcast for a hundred shows, first off, thank you. But a theme that happens on every episode, you need to be around the people that are doing it. 
if you're paying to get around these people, if you're bringing them deals, if you are somehow nudging up against them and not getting your number blocked, like Colin, whatever you need to do to get around these people. I, I just always think about it like the analogy of if you are playing JV as a ninth grader in any sport, and for a couple of days, you get to play with varsity, let's say basketball, you're playing with the seniors, you're playing with people that are more developed, stronger, faster. And then you go back down to JV, buying those single family homes is going to feel like a walk in the park. It's going to feel like a breeze because you saw the process, the operation, the thought behind a 200 unit and what goes into it. So now you have vibrated at that frequency and you can probably adapt to it a lot faster. So I guess just on that note, guys, I want to get your opinion on a question that just got posted in the group. And it was how different is, let's say doing a four unit deal, a 20 unit deal or a 200 unit deal. I'd love to hear from your guys' perspective. Is it just another zero? Are there actual things that are harder or easier about doing one or the other? Very curious. Go ahead, Colin. I, 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 I can, I'll have input on this too, I guess. No, I'd love, I'd love to hear what you say. I mean, I, I definitely think the zeros, I mean, I think there's, you need more team members. That's one of the biggest things, which you can also delegate, delegate a lot of those actions as well. Um, no, that, 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 that's a really good question. I, I don't know. You, you want more partners in it. I mean, that's the yeah. thing that you can scale. I think you rely on more people, the bigger the unit, the complex gets. And the, the thing is, is that when you, when you get down around three or four units, you could, e you could easily jump into real estate investing with your first deal being three or four units. If you can manage a single family home, you can manage a three unit triplex. And that should not be difficult. Um, if you just jump into a 20 unit, I don't, if you have experience at all, cause if something breaks, do you, do you know a mechanic, a mechanic, do you know an electrician? Do you know a plumber? Do you know, do you know these people already to these systems in place? Well, you probably don't cause you just started. So the larger you get, you need these systems in place. And that's where typically it makes sense to hire a property management company. Cause that's literally what they do. That's the purpose, uh, that they give you is they have these systems in place to take care of these issues. Um, there's no question in my mind. I, if it, once you start getting over, gosh, I don't know, 30, even 40 for sure. I'd rather have a 200 unit. I, I just, it's, I don't want to, there's more money to deal with, but mm -hmm. there's, there's just, there are more units. It, you get, you got to fill 200 units instead of 40. You need a couple more plumbers available, if not. And if you're doing it right, in my opinion, unless you're, unless you quit your job and you form your own, very productive uh, property management company like Colin did. If you're, if you're just going to invest it, really, if you have a good property manager, you can learn things along the way and, and you'll still be successful. Really, really like that answer. Um, something I haven't really asked many guests, but it's top of mind for me, just based on a couple of things right now and a couple of people that I work with is underwriting. Uh, I feel like it gets glossed over on a lot of shows and talks in general that like, the tools, the tool, the underwriter, like you could, you could just plug in, but underwriting on these large deals is very complicated. I mean, I, I don't, maybe I'm overcomplicating, but I don't think it's a simple thing that takes less than at minimum a couple hours. So could you guys just walk through your process for when a deal comes in, what your system or flow is of checking out if it's a good market, good neighborhood, and then actually underwriting the deal, who does it, uh, what tool do you use or what tool do you recommend and, and just take it from there? I, Chris is the underwriting expert. So, well, I, you know, I, I feel comfortable in my capabilities expert. 
you know, maybe not in the court of law, but um, uh, if you're just starting, then that's certainly where, so when I started, you know, I felt comfortable because I had my, you know, my JD and my master's and stuff, which means all I can do is take standardized tests and study too much than I should and accumulate too much, too much student loans. But um, I had no idea how to underwrite a property, no idea. And I leaned on my agent at that time. Uh, now I feel as though I could probably underwrite most of these better than, better than a lot of agents, not, mo not all agents for sure, but a lot of agents, they know enough to, to, to certainly teach you what you need to learn. And I relied on my agent at that time. I said, look, you know, I don't know what I'm looking at. I, single family makes sense, but when it comes to four or five, six, certainly the 20 unit, I leaned on my agent and said, what would you do? How would you do this? Um, so yes, it does become more complex. Now, it just so happens for us that we build up all this experience in Omaha that if you say an area, uh, we, I mean, we don't really have to, it's like a, a couple, I don't know, 30 second in our head underwriting to see if we should even spend more time on it. And then if we should spend more time on it, then we say, okay, send us your financials. Then we, then we break it down. And like you said, that, that can take a little bit longer, but if I had to teach myself how to do it, I would rely on my agent and they, they should have fill, they should have fill in documents. They should tell you what goes in each square because if they don't know how to underwrite a property, they shouldn't be your agent. Okay. Yeah. And That's there's also, and there's, and there's two things of underwriting. There's internally where you're actually internally and putting the numbers, but there's also externally where you're understanding the market and the sub market, which I think is often overlooked where somebody will underwrite a deal based on the numbers that are, that are currently there that are the performa numbers. And they say, Oh, this doesn't work or this looks like a great deal when they actually don't look at the sub market that it surrounds the rents that are around there, the utility bill backs, if there is a utility bill back, um, and just, you know, the vacancy. So I, I, I think you have to look at it both internally and externally, because I know Chris and I have bought deals, you know, I, I can think of a 24 unit townhome that we bought with some other partners that on paper, it was garbage. I mean, the rents were half what they should be. It was highly vacant, but since we knew the area, we knew that we could get it to X, Y, and Z, which made it a good deal. Um, mm. that, that, that takes knowing that submarket though. So that's really the external part. Got it. So just before I move off this, do you guys for physical, let's say math analysis, are you using a spreadsheet, a tool, something like a calculator that people listening could check out? Or is it one that you guys built? I use something I've built and I do not suggest you build it yourself. Like I did. I have, I took a, I took a pro forma and I've taught myself Excel. Like we've all used Excel throughout the years, but I've like taught myself all these equations and all this stuff. And I feel really good about where it's at now. If I was just going to jump into multifamily or even honestly, perhaps even for single family, I'd try to talk to an agent or, I mean, I'd give a shout out right now to Chris Jackson. We were talking about him earlier. He just, he just put out a, uh, a pro forma. It's called Synthesis, and yep. um, it's very reasonable. And if I wasn't so set in my ways in this pro forma that I've developed over the last three years, that'd be the first place I would go. I'd try to get something just tried and true that either you know others have used that works or I'd pay for something like that that has video um, directions and everything. That's certainly where you'd want to go. But make sure you find something that you're comfortable with because if you, if you look at the spreadsheet and you get overwhelmed and you're like, I don't know what the pest control is for the third quarter and you give up underwriting the deal, just just, just move on and find a spreadsheet and find something that, that can actually work for you. So, but yeah. 
Yeah, if I can say something real quick, we keep glossing over this. One of the, 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 the two biggest things, the answer to every question I've heard so far probably is either get a coach or get with a good partner that has experience. Mm. This sounds like a really weird thing to say, but wherever Colin's head is right now, if I would have met that Colin in 2013, I would be so much farther ahead. I would have partnered with somebody who had all that experience who could just take me along on, along the ride. And sure, I may have kind of diverted off and done some of my own things, but I would have learned so much more than teaching it myself. And if you teach yourself stuff, it's just gonna take a lot longer. So, you know, follow success, success leads clues, it leads a path, get a coach and or partner with somebody who can show you the ropes. Perfect segue. Last question, last thing that we'll talk about before we wrap is coaching, mastermind, surrounding yourself with the right people. Um, what do you say to the person right now who is torn between getting a coach, joining a mastermind, making that investment, um, or trying to, trying to figure it out themselves? And, and what tactical advice do you give the person as far as finding a coach, mentor, or mastermind? What, what do they need? What are they looking for? How hard work? How hard are they going to work? You can't hire a coach and expect them to, to, to force feed you. You have to be willing to work. You have to be motivated. Um, if you want to do it yourself, that's where you have to find a partner and you have to be very personable. Um, trying to do it on your own, it's not impossible. Plenty of guys have, plenty of people have. It's not impossible. Um, I highly recommend it. I pay for coaching. I mean, Chris and I have both paid lots of money for coaching and it is exponentially paid off. I, I think that just what your mindset going into it is that you have to be willing to put in the work because they're, they're going to lay it all out to you. Every single book, if you read every single book on real estate, you would know everything about real estate, but you actually have to do it. So similar with a good coach um, and utilize them and ask, ask good questions, ask, ask hard questions and ask relevant questions and be honest with yourself. Yep. Yeah. Go to those meetups. If you can, if, if they're around you, that's huge. Collins, he didn't mention, he, he has the largest uh, meetup here in Omaha over 1700 members. That's a great place to meet people. Learned a lot from that. Great speakers. We've met a lot of our partners from that. Uh, get a coach, hands down. The question I would ask you is, what's it worth for you not to get a coach? I mean, what if it what would it cost you six thousand dollars, and you hate your job, and you make twelve thousand on the first deal that you do? I mean, if you could just fast forward a little bit to see that come to fruition, it, it's not even a decision you need to make. Um, so, and if for and, and if you have zero dollars and you can't afford a coach. Mm -hmm. You need to find someone to partner with. You need to find someone who can show you the ropes and you need to bring something. You need to bring something of quality to that relationship. And that's how you're going to learn how to do it. And um, that's the way to roll. All right. Yeah, you have, money, you have money, time, or experience. So you have to utilize those. You know, somebody with a lot of money can invest. You have time. Well, that can be useful to somebody with a lot of experience. You have experience, then you can find the projects, but you don't typically have a lot of time. So utilize one of those three because everybody should have those, have one of those. Somebody has time, somebody has experience, somebody has money. And if not, you know, get, get to work your way into one of those. Love that. Couldn't agree with that more. Guys, what is next for you and what's the best way for people to connect, follow your journey or see your digital footprint? Yeah, our website's parkabinvesting.com. Um, we actually have an open offering there right now. We're buying a 72 unit in Sioux Falls. So uh, we're actually taking on investors for that right now. We're really excited about it. We have, we're releasing videos on it on, on all of our social media sites. So LinkedIn and Instagram, Facebook. Our, our group is Parkav Capital. So the website is parkavinvesting.com, but our group is Parkav Capital. 
I'm Chris Palmerlew at LinkedIn or, or uh, Instagram. Um, yeah, just we're excited to keep growing. And uh, I think I may have said it earlier, but we, we're, we're at about 22 million under contract right now. So we're, we're busy. You said what's going on. We're just, uh, <laughs> we're just buying multis and staying busy and, and, and learning still and uh, loving every step of the way. So awesome. Cool. Good deal. Yeah, and if anybody wants to connect, um, reach out and learn more, feel free to reach out to me or Chris. Same as Chris, Colin Schwartz, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, any of those sites. And uh, yeah, we're always looking to talk to other investors. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, I knew it was going to be a good one. Brought brought the energy, brought the experience, and uh, it's been fun. So appreciate you guys coming on. Best of luck in 2020 and beyond, and uh, look forward to seeing what you guys do. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Hey, you millennial millionaire, do you want more? Then head to the Millennial Millionaires Through Real Estate Facebook group, where there are tons of step-by-step walkthroughs, tools, templates, and free networking to help you achieve financial freedom through real estate. And if you want Jonathan to help you personally reach your goals, then feel free to set up a one-on-one call in the link below or message him on any social media platform and apply to, well, work with Jonathan.